The shooter was mental. <clears throat> the shooter was a mentally disturbed person. It's a mental health issue, not a gun issue. These are some sick people who did this. This was a troubled individual. Stop. Just stop. We're running on a leftover understanding of mental illness, similar to how we thought mental illness worked in the age of the asylum, and our leaders are allowed to get away with it. A mental illness is when the brain is malfunctioning either due to a chemical imbalance, the wiring is wrong, or a major trauma occurred that cripples a part of the brain. Oddly enough, only half of all mass shootings are caused by people with some form of diagnosable mental illness. The other half are considered completely sane. The majority of people with mental illness have never even considered shooting someone, but way more likely to kill themselves. That means it is equally likely for a killer to have a mental illness as not, so statistically speaking having a mental illness is not a causative effect. These people are sick is not a true statement. Their brains are oddly working exactly as they evolved to be. The hardware and genes are fine, the software and memes are sick, as are their coping mechanisms. Humans evolved to have these close personal ties, to crave and find social bonding and meaning and a sense of purpose bigger than themselves. In a hunter-gatherer society, the tribe was their greater purpose, and their oxytocin not only helped them be egalitarian to the tribe, it also made them hate and distrust people not of their tribe or group. Because of this, they assimilate the culture of their group and believe that they are better than all other cultures without any data or proof. Their sense of justice is the only way possible, and breaking out of that creates a ton of cognitive dissonance and a complete paradigm shift that takes decades to fully unpack and change in oneself. When one feels isolated or feels like their ingrained sense of justice is broken or violated, or they feel welcomed into a group that appears to be cool, that is when they are the most susceptible to radicalization. Radicalization is a process that uses these fully functioning brains during a period most often of disillusionment or normally occurring emotional trauma, lacking the coping skills needed to deal with it, and like an information virus, exploits their weaknesses and often cultural programming and makes them fully believe that doing something otherwise horrible is actually righteous or something they deserve. Let's first take ISIS or Al-Qaeda. The average person would think that they are just sick people with mental problems, but there are just as many with mental issues as without. Poor, middle class, and rich alike support them. They hold the idea that justice is broken in the world, when that Muslims are being persecuted around the world, thanks to the wars in many areas and the post-colonial partitioning. It's easy to make that case. Next, that much of the problem is that we have turned away from the teachings of Allah, and we must get back to a state of righteousness. This alone is not the key to make someone violent. Martyrdom and perceived increase in decadence are ideas nearly all dualistic religions hold. It helps make them strong and convert more people. Conservative religious and dogmatic ideologies hold this idea, but they still believe that they can change things through peace in the system over a period of time. Violent radicalization believes that justice is so broken that the system should be firebombed and peace is the very problem. Back in the analog age, radicalization was a bit harder. You had to meet and talk directly to people, isolate them, and befriend them. It made it very easy to be monitored by a government if they wanted to. Back in the day, you had to physically go out of your way to find people to radicalize, or you could write a book that could passively radicalize people, or you wrote a book that wasn't meant to radicalize people, just point out a different way of thinking, or a perceived injustice, and some troubled person would self-radicalize. Nowadays on the internet, radicalizing is super easy, and ISIS especially is incredibly tech-savvy in recruiting people for radicalization. These people are easy to find. 
It's now down to a science. They'll hang out playing video games, gaining a kid's confidence, appearing to be a cool friend, then over time leaking ideas that seem new to the kid while very one-sided. Or they'll make stunning high-quality recruitment videos or make videos that seem like they're just one of them, normal people. So it's just common sense that this is true. They fish on the internet in politically, ideologically, or religiously extreme comment sections or forums and find people who agree with them on an issue that may give them a hint of fellow sympathies. Then they try to befriend them and slowly convince them to self-isolate them from people around them as heretics and focus on the new ideology as righteous. If they can, they will convince them to come to fight for ISIS or stage a terrorist attack on their home soil. It's why a Muslim ban does nothing to stop terrorism in the US. We have the best screening system possible, and it's their second generation kids after 10 to 20 years that get internet radicalized that cause violence. Not the first generation refugees or immigrants that work their asses off to get here. But ISIS isn't the only one that uses these tactics. White supremacists have been internet savvy and saw it as their salvation since the internet first came onto the scene. Since they're blocked on most major platforms, they use the same tactics ISIS does, who may have actually learned these tactics from observing them. They befriend and appear cool, and then they get them to check out videos and literature on alternative small sites, and were heavily boosted by YouTube's algorithms that learn blindly similar to the AI chatbot Tay on what videos people are more likely to watch so that they can stay on the site for a very long time, and unfortunately so many of them were Nazis or white supremacist groups. And since they can't be on major sites now, they will tell them that this is the truth and the Jew media is trying to cover up about race and white superiority and they're trying to cause white genocide so they can take over this nation and rule over easily controlled inferior people. This destroyed sense of justice against white people can make them either vote for a racist or believe that democracy is just a Jew conspiracy itself to destroy their rightful power in white America by creating myths about the racial wage gap, that cops shoot or arrest black people more for the same crimes that white people get away with or that privilege exists. But fascism in general has another hidden component to it that most don't realize, and that is it's usually a collection of different degrees of ideas that all work together surprisingly effectively. Some extremely religious-based, some based on ethnicity and fears of losing power or perceived ethnic cleansing, and another group that's based on hypermasculinity or machismo, as Italian fascism called it. Youth and feeling the system is rigged against them, so burn it all down. This hyper-masculinity youth culture has been spoon-fed to us from day one in movies, music, and video games. Justice in the universe is that you were to complete a quest you were given, often by your parents or perceived goal, for just being you and believing you are a good person on the inside, and you got money and the girl you wanted. This is pure fiction and fantasy, and when the system of justice doesn't work, these men, especially white men, are most susceptible to radicalization. The alt-right, the non-activist version of the MRA, the alpha male cult, men going their own way, and the most pathetic incels all believe that justice against white men is under attack and everything is a feminist or cultural Marxist plot against them, which is why they can't get laid. Just as ISIS uses 72 virgins as bait to join or a bride or infidel slave, these toxic masculine groups use sex as a lure to get them on their side. They rely on the gaming community or Reddit and comment sections even more than ISIS and find teen boys frustrated that the system they were taught about how to get girls is absolutely wrong 
but they haven't accepted this or been able to learn this alternative. Not getting the girl you have a crush on, especially when you're full of hormones, is emotionally hard, and women have the same problem. The difference is, they haven't been fed this line that they deserve that person, nor are they entitled to that person. As male protagonists are the main target of most movies, women are just a quest goal, not the active chooser of men. And these emotionally crushed young boys feel betrayed, hurt, and helpless. They are open and susceptible to all being a feminist plot against them to prevent them from winning the girl or scoring with the hottest chick, because Chad always gets in the way. Sperm-stealing women who push the idea of male privilege who will call rape to ruin your life, the fake gender wage gap, and women using their looks and body to get privileges and attention that men perceive they can't have are the villains who are trying to emasculate men. Justice is ruined and destroyed. They focus only on the areas where men are disadvantaged, such as military dangerous jobs and custody battles, even though feminists are the only ones who have ever moved these causes forward legally for more equality, while MRAs have done little to nothing toward that cause. Just being a white supremacist or indoctrinated into toxic masculinity, however, does not mean that you will go full radicalized and shoot someone up. But you will help to create the climate and normalization surrounding a radicalized individual who has completely lost faith in the system. There is no justice, and the most righteous and noble thing to do is go shoot up a school. And as 2% of all mass shootings in the U.S. have been done by Muslims in the past few years, and 98% of mass shootings have been done by white men who fit into one or both of these camps, either white supremacist or toxic masculinity. It was bullying and being a loner that caused it. Yeah, that's it. A myth that's persisted since Columbine, even though Eric Harris, one of Columbine shooters, had a date to the prom and no real problems other than perhaps psychopathy and recruited the other kid, Dylan Claybold, a depressive, lonely, religious kid with no ability to get girls until he befriended and emulated Eric to join him on a shooting spree. The very definition of radicalizing. It wasn't the mental illness, it was the radicalization. Perhaps sociopaths are at the top of the recruiting, but people equally with or without mental illness can get radicalized and do something horrible and feel righteous about it. As much as people in especially the toxic masculine camp don't want to hear, Russia used and propagated this attempt to radicalize them, helping to create the alt-right. Each one of these groups got their ideas echoed and argued and helped recruit more of them to these terrible ideas, appearing to be just like them. The Russians exploited the YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook algorithms to get clicks per money. They used the radicalizing recruiting tactic to spread chaos and burn it all down mindset that helped get Trump elected. As the system was broken, Hillary was a neoliberal, big bank, feminist, cultural, Marxist bitch, so vote for Trump because he gets us, and now they're whining and crying because he's threatening to take away the only things they care about thanks to white male privilege, weed, video games, and net neutrality. And even then, many of them don't seem to give a shit. There are organizations who use de-radicalization tactics that actually work, such as Life After Hate, that have de-radicalized Nazis, incels, ISIS sympathizers, and even the radical violent left. But their tactics don't treat these people like they're mentally damaged. Their tactics run as if the brain is working correctly and work on tackling the memes, not the brain, and that 70% of minds aren't neurotypical, so they have to use a varied approach among all members. Creating a sense of community, much like with drug users, is one of the best methods to de-radicalize, especially if they're shunned by the only group now that accepted them, now that they're a heretic. Realizing you will lose your social circle if you dare consider or think you might be wrong keeps people in these radicalized groups much longer than they should. 
Mental illness doesn't cause terrorists or violence, so let's please stop using that term to define killers. Radicalizing does. Mental illness and being radicalized may not be things you can imagine being, but they're not even close to the same thing. One is a hardware problem, one is a software problem. Until we can get this straight, people with mental health problems will be marginalized and can't get the help they need, and radicalized white men will be retroactively diagnosed with a mental disorder by Google scholars in the news media to brush the real problems of radicalization under the rug. So thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm sure there was nothing controversial about this, and everyone will happily get along in the comments section, which you can do on the YouTube version of this video, link in the show notes. Just a reminder that I'm Anubis2814 on YouTube, and I have over 500 videos on different topics that I've made over the past 10 years. Please subscribe, and if your podcast site has the option, give me a like or review. If you think what I have to say informed you, consider supporting my Patreon. I'll be doing this podcast weekly and try to get it out on the same day, so I hope to see you here next week, ready to be filled with new ideas. Take care. A big thank you goes out to Elias Garcia Guevara and Joe Taylor, who sponsor the show at $10 a month at the Wapawet level on Patreon. Please consider donating as well if you can, and thank you all for listening.